Thank you. I love the way the angel said it to the women who came to the tomb. Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen. And that's what we celebrate this morning. We serve a risen Savior. He is alive, and he ministers to us out of his love, the amazing grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Welcome. Thank you for coming. Thank you for live. Where's that camera? Live streamers. I guess you're up there somewhere in the cyberspace, but we're glad you're here. We're here to worship, and we worship God this morning because of his amazing grace. What we celebrated on Friday, and by the way, Kathy, thank you. That service, if you were here on Friday and went through the, the, uh, the stations to uh, remember Jesus' crucifixion on Friday, a solemn time to prepare us, and then today we celebrate that he is alive, the resurrected Christ. So join me as we worship God together because of his amazing grace. Father, thank you. Thank you for your love. Thank you that you cared enough about us to send your own son to die in our place. And he was risen from the grave, and he is alive today, and he is here, and we thank you, thank you, thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Oh, yes. Uh, thank you, Kathy. Give me this. Stand up and greet each other and say hello. <laughs> Well, good morning, Palm Desert Community Presbyterian Church. Family, friends, visitors, we are so glad that you chose us to worship on this glorious Easter Sunday. And for all you visitors, we have a custom here. We have people who bake bread for us, and we pass it out to our visitors. And I know that we'll, we have a lot of extra visitors, so our bakers were really busy this weekend baking bread these little breads. If you're visiting with us, please stop by the welcome table and pick up one of these um, as you leave this morning. And as you notice, all the beautiful Easter lilies, you have an insert. They were given in a memoriam or honor of people. Uh, we are so grateful to the Sanctuary Guild who organized that and put it all together. Thank you so much. If you have given flowers, please do not take them till after the 11 o'clock service. <laughs> And if you don't want them, they're going to be taken by the deacons to our shut-ins, so they will have a remembrance of this special Easter Sunday. Uh, for all our covenant partners, we have our annual meeting next Sunday after the church service. And for those of you that are visiting, our church services are normally at 9.30 a.m., so we hope that you'll come back and join us. And uh, save the date, April 30th. 
a week from Saturday, is going to be Songshine's rendition of Sound of Music. And so we are so looking forward to that. It's going to be at 2 p.m. And then outside on the grassy area, we have a cross out there. We call it our flowering cross, and they're flowers. So please stop by and put a flower in there. It signifies for us new life in Jesus Christ. So even if you didn't bring flowers, we provided many of them. Take pictures with your family. It's a great photo op.
Wow, that was beautiful. So this morning's reflection, I've taken some lyrics from Matt Mayer's song called Christ is Risen. Oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, hell, where is your victory? Oh, church, come and stand in the light. The glory of God has defeated the night. Our God is not dead. He's alive. He's alive. Reflect on that. We serve a living Jesus Christ. Amen. We stand together this morning with all Christendom around the world. Let's stand together to sing, Christ the Lord is risen today. But let's first call worship. Been here since 5 o'clock. Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. The Lord has risen. The Lord has risen. He has risen indeed. Where, O oh death, is your victory? Where, O oh death, is your sting? Death has been swallowed up in victory. Christ has risen indeed. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whosoever lives and believes in me will never die. Thanks be to God. He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord has risen. He has risen indeed. Alleluia. Christ the Lord is risen today, Alleluia. Sons of men and angels say, Alleluia. Raise your joys and triumphs high,
Christ has opened paradise. Alleluia. Soaring now where Christ has led. pray our prayer of confession. O Lord, King of kings, Lord of Lord, name above all names, we praise you, we worship you, we honor you, and we glorify you. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies, and whoever lives and believes in me will never die. We thank you, Lord, because you've given us victory through Jesus Christ. Forgive us, Lord, when we live our lives forgetting that Jesus is alive and has conquered sin and death. Help us to live as resurrected people, people of the promise. Help us to remember, Father, the promised Holy Spirit who lives in us. We come boldly before the throne of grace to obtain your mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. We draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith knowing that nothing can ever separate us from your love. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Brothers and sisters, remember that the same powerful spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives inside of each one of us, and through that spirit, we can live as resurrected people. Jesus paid the price for our sin, and in him, we are forgiven, and that truly is good news. Alleluia and amen. The telling and retelling of the, script, of the resurrection story, both in scripture and in song, continues. Worship Christ the risen King, a wonderful lyric with a familiar tune. The lyric is by Jack Hayford. Worship Christ the risen King. Rise, O church, and lift your voices. Christ has conquered death and hell. Sing as all the earth rejoices, resurrection anthems swell. Come and worship, come and worship, worship Christ the Death and I could 
with power. All hell's minions may assemble, but cannot withstand his hour. He has conquered, he has conquered, Christ the Lord, the risen King. Doubt may lift his hand to murmur, scoffers mock and sinners jeer. But the truth proclaims a wonder, thoughtful hearts receive with all singers. He is risen, he is risen, now reserve the risen king. Let's stand together as we proclaim. We acclaim your life, O oh Jesus. Now we sing your victory. Sin and hell may seek to seize us, but our conquest keeps us free. Stand in triumph, stand in triumph, worship Christ the risen King. Our God reigns, our God reigns, our God reigns, our God reigns. Sing that again, our God reigns. David was here, this was really big, and so I needed to stand on a stool. I'm only four foot eleven and three fourths, but you know, God makes us tall and he makes us short. So um, if you can hear me, can you all hear me okay? Okay, well that's good. Father God, we come to you this morning in awe and admiration that you would sacrifice your one and only son for us so that we may have eternal life. It's hard to believe. 
Even the disciples found Jesus' resurrection hard to believe. Jesus said, why are you troubled? And why do you doubt the rise in, why does doubt rise in your minds? Look at my hands. Look at my feet. It is I myself. Touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones, as you see I have. Unlike the disciples, you and I have never looked upon Jesus' wounded hands and feet. So it may seem that the disciples have something over us. However, Jesus proclaimed in John 20, 29, Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. What the disciples saw with their eyes, we see with our hearts. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the certainty of things yet unseen. Before Jesus' death, he told his disciples, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever, the Spirit of Truth. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Holy Spirit, you are welcomed here. Come, flood this place, and fill the atmosphere. Your glory, God, is what our hearts long for, to be overcome by your presence, Lord. The lyrics to a very beautiful song. Friends, draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. I pray that the Holy Spirit will be alive and active in all of us forever and ever. Father, we ask that your Holy Spirit spread his wings and cover with love, peace, and comfort, our veterans who have fought for freedom, the people of Ukraine who are fighting for their freedom, for people struggling with a serious illness or have a loved one struggling with a serious illness, for people grieving the loss of a loved one, for those on our prayer list in today's bulletin. As followers of Christ, we can set the example of how to live in peace and to love one another. St. Teresa reminds us that Christ has no body but yours. Your feet with which he walks to do good. You are the hands with which he blesses all the world. You are the eyes with which he looks compassion upon this world. O oh Lord, shine your light in us, through us, and over us. May we make a difference in this world for your glory and your purposes. Please join me in the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, 
on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Friends, we are thankful for your support of this church. There are boxes at the front and the side door for your gracious monetary gifts. You can also give online by clicking Give Back and then click Online Giving. I would also like to remind you to be good and faithful servants of our Lord by using your eyes, your hands, and your feet and helping those in need. There are many ministries in our church and outside of our church that need your help. I encourage you to give of your time and talents. Amen. The choir is going to come and join you on this aisle. We're going to sing a different way of singing hallelujah. It's called antiphonal praise. That means I sing first, then you sing with the choir. It's also my most clever way of recruiting people into the choir. And then we sing just as we began to sing, Christ the Lord is risen today, hallelujah. We sing hallelujah. We worship you.
praise God from whom all blessings flow. Let's sing that together. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Wonderful. Thank you. Is this the last week of the choir? No. We have one more Sunday. One more Sunday. All right. And we're singing two songs next week All right. by popular request. Okay. Just, I made the request. Just checking. <laughs> Matthew told and described the greatest event that has ever occurred on planet Earth. An event that changed earth forever and changed heaven as well. We read it in Matthew chapter 28, very simply presented. After the Sabbath, at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen just as he said. Come. And see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, He has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid, yet filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. Now John described that incredible event in 11 verses. The most amazing event that's ever happened. And Mark told the story in 8 verses. Luke in 12 and John, adding some detail, used 19 verses to explain this event, to present, to describe the event. The reason they could do it so briefly is they didn't explain it. They didn't elaborate on it. They just told the story. To get the explanation, to understand what was going on with the resurrection, we have to go to a book that's called, often called the Fifth Gospel the book of Hebrews, because you see the four Gospels and the book of Hebrews work together. The Gospels tell the story of Jesus. The book of Hebrews 
explains the story of Jesus. We read the Gospels to get the facts of Jesus' life and ministry, and we read Hebrews to understand the functions of Jesus' life and ministry. The Gospels describe Jesus' work while he was on earth. The book of Hebrews describes Jesus' continuing, ongoing work that he performs today and forever in heaven. The Gospels tell us what Jesus did. The book of Hebrews explains so what that he did it. So I want to go to that fifth gospel this morning and talk about Jesus' resurrection and about Easter from this book of Hebrews, chapter 4, verse 12. We get the same theme in verse 12 because the writer tells us alive is God's logos, the word of God. Alive is the word of God and active. And sharper than any double-edged sword, he penetrates even to the dividing of soul and spirit, joints and marrow, and he judges or evaluates or helps us understand the thoughts and attitudes of our heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from from his sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him with whom we must give an account, the Logos. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who cannot empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one, a high priest, who has been tested in every way just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Now, the writer introduced this, this, this logos, this person, by using that term, logos, much like John did in his gospel. When he introduced Jesus in his gospel, he said, in the beginning was the logos, the word, and the logos was with God. And the Logos was God. And then he elaborates and explains the deity of Christ and raises and and elevates Jesus to his rightful place as the Son of God. And then in verse 14, he said, The Logos became flesh. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory. Glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So John began his gospel by saying this Jesus, this person that this gospel is all about, is God's message, and he is God's messenger. And the writer of Hebrews began his book, his letter, much the same way. He's writing to Hebrew Christians, hence the name of the book. And in validating their faith, he said, God, who spoke to our fathers long ago, in the prophets, in many portions and in many ways, has spoken again in his Son. Just as God spoke through the angels, and God spoke through Moses, and God spoke through the prophets, 
And God spoke through the floods and the, the rain and the miracles to our fathers, to our Jewish fathers through the Old Testament. God has spoken again. But this time he has spoken in a way that he has never spoken before. He spoke to us in his son. Jesus himself, the son of God, is God's message to us. And he is also the one who brings the message. Wrapped up together in this logos, in this Jesus Christ himself, is God's ultimate final message. He came in a way that we could not possibly misunderstand it, and yet we did. He said, I will take on flesh and be one of you. I will live among you. I will let you see me and hear me and touch me and know me. And I will do my miracles and I will preach my sermons in your midst as one of you. And then I will die as one of you. Because only I can die for the sins of humanity. That's why I took on humanity. That's why I took on flesh. That's the whole sense, the whole purpose of the incarnation. Is to die as one of you yet without sin. When Jesus died, what we, what we remembered on Friday, when Jesus died, he didn't die to pay for his sins because he was without sin. He died to pay for my sin. He died to pay for your sin. But he didn't stay dead. <laughs> he came back from the grave as evidence, as proof perfect that his claim to be the Son of God his claim to be the Savior of the world was valid. The grave could not hold him. We've been singing about it, reading about it, praying about it, talking about it, rejoicing about it this morning. We started at 6 o'clock. Preached my first sermon while I was still asleep. We'll see how this one goes. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They say preachers are people who talk in other people's sleep. This morning this preacher was talking in his own sleep. But this news, this, this writer of Hebrews says, I, there's something you have to understand about this resurrection. There's something you have to understand about this Jesus, this Logos of God. He is alive. He's alive. You saw him go to the cross, but many of you then saw him three days later walking around, talking, doing more miracles. He's alive. And he's active. He's active and he's interactive. And then he says, because he's alive, he can do this thing. He's, he's like a, a, a double-edged sword. Now, the writer then, that's the sharpest thing he could think of to describe this fact that Jesus goes to the center of our being. Like a two-edged, today we would say like a laser. He goes right to the center of your being. He penetrates even to the dividing of soul and spirit, joints and marrow, and he judges, he, he makes sense of the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Now, he's using kind of vague language, separates between soul and spirit. They're hard to separate in Scripture. They, they kind of overlap. Joints and marrow. And he judges, he evaluates, he helps us understand the thoughts and intentions of our heart. And I would ask you, what intention did you ever have that wasn't a thought? 
Now, so all I'm saying is he's, the, the, the message with this language that he's using here is saying Jesus goes to places in our life that we don't even understand. He separates and evaluates and examines and helps us understand things that are beyond our own understanding. Excuse me. Tom, I can't help but singing. I try to save my voice because I got to do this three times. We don't have any dry sermons, so we'll just... But, <clears throat> so excuse me, I, my throat is bothering me a little this morning. So, where was I? <laughs> yes, penetrating to the soul. This, this vague, these vague things. The message is, ain't nothing about you he don't understand. He gets down in the real deep stuff. Proverbs 20, verse 5 says, The thoughts of a person are deep waters, but a discerning person draws them out. And I have thoughts, and I have motives, and I have intentions that I don't understand. But I also have some that I do understand. And they scare me. Sometimes. Now, I don't know how comfortable you are to know that Jesus is mucking about in the depths of your soul. And he understands what you're thinking. Some of you are out now saying, how long is this going to go on? He knows that. He knows that about you, and he knows that about me. And sometimes a little scary, isn't it? That he knows you that well, the deepest part of your thoughts and your actions. And then he says, and there is nothing in all creation hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him with whom we must give account the Logos. Jesus is alive and he's active and he knows you better than you know yourself. He understands you better than you understand yourself. You look like awfully nice people. But that thought scares me sometimes. So, the next word is therefore. Jesus knows you better than you know yourself. He understands you better than you understand. He knows your thoughts. He knows your intentions. He knows your motives. Therefore, you better be good. It's not what he said. Therefore, you better run and hide. It's not what he said. <clears throat> when I was in Dallas, we had a lady come down from Oklahoma City. For counseling. She was being tempted to have an affair. She was part of a church. We asked her, well, why did you come all the way to Dallas? She said, I didn't want anybody to ever know back home. Said, but you know, the most important person lives here too. The one who can help you. The writer didn't say, therefore, run and hide. Therefore, go to Los Angeles to get counseling. So there, what did he say then? Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. 
what is that faith we profess? The faith we profess is that Jesus loves us more than we could ever imagine. That Jesus died so that he could welcome us into his presence. The faith we believe is that our sins are forgiven. That no matter what we've done, he knows it, he understands it. He has forgiven it and has restored us. And he still loves us. If you don't believe that, if you don't hold to that faith, Christianity is just another religion, just another way of thinking. What makes Christianity unique, this faith we profess, that we must hold firmly to, is faith that he is alive and he's active. He's active in your life and he's active in mine. Well, okay, so we're supposed to hold firmly to the faith we profess, but then he explains why we should hold family firmly, why we can. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tested in every way just as we are, yet he did not sin. What he's saying is that this Jesus, this living high priest that we have, has experienced everything we have experienced. That was part of the incarnation. That's part of the story of Jesus' humanity. And we find a number of places in the book of Hebrews where it says Jesus suffered as we suffer. There is nothing you can think. There is no temptation. There is no struggle you can have. This passage tells us that Jesus did not have. Now, I'm a little uncomfortable with that too because some of my thoughts and intentions... I think, you mean Jesus? Really? Jesus struggled with that too? Jesus was confronted with that too? Stop and think of some of the thoughts that go through your mind. Some of the anger, the greed, the frustration, lust, those things. You say, you mean Jesus had those thoughts? Well, how helpful would it be if the writer said, well, Jesus was tested in everything except that thing that tests you? That wouldn't be very helpful. Well, how could Jesus be tempted? Well, the word that's translated here, tempted, is a word that's also translated tested. James uses the word, count it all joy, my brothers and sisters, when you count various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And the idea is that God uses the pressures, the struggles, the disappointments, the fears, the things that lead us into sin. He uses those things, those pressures, to test us, to test our faith to help us grow. Let faith have its complete result so that you may be perfect and complete. So what it's saying is these pressures, these things, they test us. But then James, in verse 13, uses that same word, pyrazo, and, and translates it temptation. So the same event can be a test or a temptation. 
depending on how I respond to it. If I am angry with somebody and I want to wallow in that anger, become bitter, that's a test. I have a choice. I say, I can grow through that. I can refuse to go there and put that person and say, that's a person created in God's image. That's a person that God loves supremely. I don't have the right to deal with that. I need to go settle accounts with that person. I need to deal with it. That is a test. That's a pressure in my life. I want to hate that person. That's a pressure. I respond to it by saying, I'm going to deal with it. But I have another option. I can turn that test into a temptation. By giving in to it, by hating the person, by last week, instead of not putting that little extra 1099 salary I got on my taxes, the test, did I pass it? None of your business. <laughs> no. I could have done that. I could have, yeah, they know, they're probably not going to find out. If they do, they'll get Charlie, my accountant, not me. A test. I could have turned it. You see what the point is? You see the difference? The same event can be a test or a temptation. It says here, Jesus was tested in everything as we are, yet without sin. He never gave in. Now I found out there's a way to get rid of these pressures, these things that tempt me. There's a way to get rid of them. I'm on a diet. I'm watching TV. I know there's an eclair in the refrigerator. It's testing me. I resist. Then another food commercial comes on TV, and the test comes back. You know how I get rid of the test? I go eat the eclair. Yeah, so the easiest way to get rid of the test, just give in, do it. But Jesus never ate the eclair. He was without sin. Didn't mean he didn't struggle. He suffered things that you and I will never suffer. I suffer with sin as a fallen human being. He saw the condition of the world. He saw the sin he was... from a perspective of a man who was without sin, a perfect human being. He suffered, and he says to you, and he says to me what the writer of Hebrews is saying, I have been tested in everything as you are, yet I never sinned. So the writer continues, verse 16, Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Because Jesus is alive, and because he's active and interactive in your life, and because he penetrates to the core of your life, he understands you better than you understand you. He accepts you more than you accept you. The writer says, come boldly without fear, come boldly to the throne of, not the throne of condemnation, not the throne of a bony, bony pointing finger, throne of grace, amazing grace. Yeah, thank you for that, Joe. Yeah, the throne of grace, 
not the throne of condemnation, to receive mercy, not to be scolded, and to find help in your time of need. So in these times of our life when it just seems life isn't working and life is in the dumpster and nothing is right and everything is lousy and we hurt and we're afraid, we're anxious and we're upset and we're angry, sometimes all of them at the same time, where do I go? What do I do? Do I have a religion that can help me? Well, religion tends to be about creeds and doctrines and laws and regulations and rituals and rules. Jesus invites us into a relationship. It's not about rules. It's not about rituals. It's about coming to know our high priest in a more intimate way. To love him, to trust him, to go to him when we hurt. Jesus' story, as presented in the Gospels, sees him time and again accepting people. The woman at the well who had had five husbands, Jesus said, come, let's just talk about it. Let's sort this out. Philip, who challenged him, said, just show us the Father. Jesus said, Philip, you still don't know me? <laughs> The woman who was caught in adultery. The religious leaders wanted to stone her. Jesus said, I forgive you. Go and sin no more. He forgave her and encouraged her. Thomas, who doubted his resurrection, Jesus said, just touch me. Just, it's about you and me. Just touch me. Peter, who denied him three times. First time he had a conversation with Jesus after the resurrection. Peter, do you love me? You see the difference? You see the difference? John 3, 17 and 18 says, God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned. Our resurrected Lord Jesus Christ invites you to come boldly to his throne of grace to receive mercy and find grace to help in your time of need. It is finished, he said. We had watched as his life ebbed away. Then we all stood around till the guards took him down. Joseph begged for his body that day. It was late afternoon. 
Thank you. Our resurrected Jesus gives new meaning to the psalmist's words in Psalm 46. God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. Though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, the Lord Almighty is with us, alive and active. The God of Jacob is our fortress. He says, be still and know that I am God. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, go boldly to the throne of grace to receive mercy and find help in your time of need. Thank you, O oh, our Lord, for the living, active Christ. Amen. Amen. We stand together to sing. We love you. So, oh, yeah, hold it. We have, I'll get it. Uh, Stephen's ministers over here. Thank you, folks. If you want to pray with somebody, they're right here. Thank you. All right, now we can do Now that. we can stand. <laughs> We love you, praise you, give you the glory. Love you, praise you, give you the glory. We love you, praise you, give you the glory. Honor your holy name. Lift your voice. We love you, praise you, give you the glory, love you, praise you, give you the glory. We love you, praise you, give you the glory, honor your holy Happy Easter. God bless you.